following message is presented by Erie Evangelical Free Church in Erie, Illinois. We are a church that exists for the good of our community and are proud to share the gospel of Jesus Christ as we seek to know Him and make Him known. Usually I am excited about preaching. I really am. Not today. This has been a struggle. And it seems like that I've said that before, I know, but this one is unparalleled. Um, my topic, uh, you know, we're doing Simple Christmas and, and my message is supposed to be how we turn shopping into serving. And, it's, and, it's, and Jonathan and I have talked about that. It's really more than shopping. It's, shopping is just kind of a, uh, what I want to say, just a symbol or a metaphor for, for what we do at this Christmas time. And it's even deeper than that because what we do with our hands doesn't really matter unless we do it out of our hearts. And I, I've struggled with this. I have, I, have a, I have a message right here. I really do. And I'd like to share it with you, but I can't. I was, we were having all kinds of technology problems this morning, so I had to run home real quick uh, in the middle of the Discovery Group. And driving home, all I heard was, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. And I thought at that moment, okay, that message is all leaning on my understanding. It's all about me. And so I thought, what do I do? Man, I got I to gotta do this in less than an hour. And, and you have come in here, and whatever number there is here, 120, 130, and each one of you have given You've entrusted an hour of your time to us. And that's not something we take lightly, believe me. It's not something I take lightly. So what what I say to you, even though it's I don't want it to be me, it's it's gotta be God. And so I thought, well, there's only one thing to do. So I want you to close your Bibles. You don't usually hear that at the beginning of a message, do you? I want you to close your Bibles today. And I want you to imagine that you're in a first century church. And, and your church was planted by this itinerant preacher named Paul. And he'd come through and, and, and stirred up all kinds of things, but he preached the gospel to your city and, and to you, and, and you have come together as followers of Jesus. And it's all new to you. You're trying to figure this all out. Well, guess what? I've been a, I've been a, a believer for 45 years, and I'm still trying to figure it out. How do I use these hands for the glory of God? How do I use this voice for the glory of God? How do I use my life for the glory of God? It's a question we all need to ask ourselves daily. We all need to wake up in the morning and our first words ought to be, this day is for you, God. This is the day that the Lord has made what? I will rejoice and be glad in it. Even when the petals fail, even when things don't work out, 
Even when you've got a message that you know you can't speak and you're responsible to share something. So you're sitting here in this first century church. It's all new to you. You're trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. And in comes somebody, a messenger, and he's got a letter. He says, hey, I got a letter. Remember that guy, Paul? He sent us a letter. And just a hushed silence falls over them. Because they know they're hearing from God. And he begins to read from Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. You know, if we stop right there, that's what it's all about. Turning the shopping into serving, it's just that we have to be servants. And everything we do has to filter through that. Every gift we buy, every dollar we spend to the glory of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, together with the overseers and the deacons. Then he reads on. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, these are not my words, okay? So you can say amen. Amen. All right. It's right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be Blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Can you imagine listening to these words? As I hope you are. Paul goes on to define what it means to serve. Now, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, because of my chains, most of my brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Paul's in chains. And he says, because of my chains... Hallelujah, God, thank you for these chains. Now, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. 
The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that from now and always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. How many times have we read these words but not really listened to the passion in them? For me, you know it's coming. If you know it's coming, say it with me. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Memorize that. Philippians one twenty one for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. <laughs> I talk I, I talk so much to seniors. And now I'm talking to, to people that are in their in their eighties and nineties. And they're saying this, I'm torn between the two. I want to stay here. I want to see my grandchildren grow up. I, I, I want to share and enjoy this life. But, man, just like our old buddy Walt says, heaven will be a wonderful place. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow in economy. Now listen, whatever happens, whatever happens, whatever happens, you get this? I hope you catch it. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, church that's God's word to us. Whatever happens, the days ahead are going to be hard days. The days ahead are going to be hard days for the church. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but to also suffer for him since you were going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Now they're hanging on every word. And Paul continues his letter. 
If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and really this is rhetorical, he's assuming they know. He knows, and he's assuming they know. So a better word may be, since you have encouragement from being united with Christ, and since you have comfort from his love, and since you have fellowship in the Spirit, and since you have tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And there is the heart and the soul of who we are as a church of Jesus Christ. Having one, being of one spirit, And having one purpose. And by that, I think Paul just simply means we have this, we are bound by the Spirit of God, right? That's what draws us together. We have one Spirit and one purpose. And in this church, we talk about that one purpose being what? To know Christ and to make him known. To know Christ and to make him known. Say it with me. To know Christ and to make him known. To know him simply means you got to be in the word. You got to be praying. You got to gather with other believers. Being here this morning is part of that process. Know Christ and make him known out there because if we stop at the first part, we're nothing better than a country club. If all we do is to come here and we study the word and and we get into the Greek and the Hebrew and, and, and all of that wonderful stuff and then we go out there and we never say a word about Jesus, then we are nothing. We are not the church. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, oh man, amazing man, said the church is not the church until it exists for others. Then it gets hard and harsh here. Do nothing. Now that is the opposite of other things Paul says. Paul says a lot of the other things are positive statements. Uh, Do everything this way, this way, this way. Do everything this way. Now he's saying do nothing. And that means everything. (laughs) Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. You know, I was thinking about that in shopping. I thought, have I ever shopped out of selfish ambition and vain conceit? Have you ever? Yeah, yeah. Glad to see a couple of you shake your head. <laughs> that always reminds me of, of, uh, of, of a, a, I shouldn't use this illustration, but I'm going to, of a scene in an old Christmas movie, one of my favorites, I'm sorry, Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. <laughs> Anybody know that movie? I am the living example of Cousin Eddie. <laughs> really. I would fit his life. But when, when, when Chevy Chase, Clark Griswold, walks into the boss's office and he's got a gift, and the boss is at the end of this table, number one, the boss doesn't know who he is. Number two, the boss doesn't care who he is. And Clark says, well, my family and I bought this gift for you. And he's put it with the others, and there's this whole line of gifts, just like his. <laughs> you think he really wanted to shop? Sometimes we do shop out of selfish ambition and out of vain conceit. Oh, look what I bought. 
Oh, my gift is so much better than everybody else's. Look how much money I spent on it. And we push out our chests. And that's what selfish ambition and vain conceit are. And Paul's warning against it. And I get a race through this. Each of you should look not only at your own interests, but to the interests of others. Because here's the bottom line. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Other translations say your mind should be that of Christ Jesus. Your mindset, your relationship with others should be that of Christ Jesus. Here's the bottom line of all that. Don't, don't think like me. Oh, heavens, don't think like me. Don't model what you think after Pastor Jonathan or after anybody else in this church. Our attitude is to be that of Christ Jesus and Christ Jesus alone. Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. He had this humility And what's that humility play out? He says, he made himself nothing. It's called the kenosis passage because it's the emptying of Jesus. And I don't understand it. Theologians have tried to unwrap this and, and they're probably all wrong. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of what? A servant. Being made in human likeness. I got to stop here. I'm just going to go for as long as I can. And, but being made in human likeness, you want to know what the ultimate act of servanthood was? Yeah, I know. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And the ultimate act certainly was the cross. But there was a prelude to the cross, wasn't there? It's what we celebrate now. He made himself. He, he, made, he, he was being made in human likeness. I was trying to figure out how to illustrate this. Isn't that cute? I will give any one of you ladies, well, even a man if you want, $1,000 if you can fit into this. No? I'll go out on a limb. $100,000. No takers. What if I told you, you've got to do this. You've got to squeeze into this little thing because the eternal destiny of every man, woman, and child who lives, who has ever lived, who will ever live, depends upon you squeezing in to this you still couldn't do it. No one can. Only one did. Well, not this. But he emptied himself and, he, and taking the nature, the form of a, a human being, he, he came to earth as a baby in a manger. And being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, and listen, this is where we're going to wrap this up. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place.
I don't know what heaven is going to be like. I remember a story about two prominent um, figures in England. Uh, I think George Whitfield was one, and then I'm not sure who the other was, but they were very different in their theologies. And yet one of them was asked, do you expect to see such and such in heaven? I think it was George Whitfield said, no. No, I expect he's going to be so much nearer the throne than I will be that I will not see him. That's humility. We will be exalted. We will enjoy eternity. Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. What is it? Oh, come on, say it. Please? This is not a trick question. You know, we come to church and we worship. There we go. Jesus. Say it with me loud. Jesus. All right. The name that is above all names, the name of Jesus, at that, that, at the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow on heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. You want to know how we turn shopping into serving? It's not how much money you spend or you don't spend or where you go or what you do. Uh, Christmas is a cool time. Let's face it. There's joy in giving and receiving gifts. The curmudgeon in me wanted to (laughs) argue a whole lot of things. That's why I couldn't do the message. It was too much my own understanding. But those words, Paul's words, God's word, it's all that matters. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father and all the church said, Amen. All right. Let's stand and worship together as we close. We're going to worship the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you that you are uh, such an incredible God and you are so patient with, with uh, people like me. Lord, that we might serve you and love you. And in this time, as we go out and shop and, and, and we fight maybe crowds that are not um, <laughs> always the easiest to deal with and we battle the dangers of the parking lots and the store aisles. Father... Help us to be patient and help us to show the world this one, this name above all names, the one and only Jesus Christ, Lord of heaven and earth. 
who humbly, humbly, humbly came to this planet to seek and to save those who were lost. Who, as we mention every week, as Jonathan has already mentioned, who, who lived this perfect life, who died sacrificially, who rose victoriously to deliver us completely. May we remember our blessings and have a passion in our hearts as we go in this Christmas season to share the name, the one and only name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about Erie Evangelical Free Church or our ministries, please visit www.eriefree.com or join us in person at 1409 16th Avenue, Erie, Illinois.